Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk episode 486. This is the show, in case you're wondering, that talks about music production, the technology behind making music, studios, synthesizers, software, DJ, controllers, you name it, we'll cover it and a lot more besides. And uh, as part of our regular panellists, we have people from all over the industry. This week, in fact, I have Mr. Richard Hilton, who's here from Connecticut, where he's a Noel Rogers studio guy, as well as being in the travelling disco touring act, Chic, who are legendary. And uh, I, I, actually, I did want to say, Rich, uh, um, commiserations for the recent passing of one of the sisters, which seems seems like inconceivable in many ways, and a very special lady. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, yes, she was. Uh, I'll miss Joni terribly. And uh, we have performed together many times and uh, did a tour together recently in Europe uh, as part of a sort of large traveling flea circus. Um, <laughs> and she's she's one of a kind and she will be missed. I can imagine. It's very I'm... sad. And she's, you know, also my age. So, uh, yeah. And yeah, and pretty young. I mean, she was in her sixties, so you know, not not she was sixty. Sixty, yeah, just I yeah. mean, just turned right. But anyway, I mean, I'm sure you have lots of good and fond memories. And you know, fortunately, fortunately for us, her wonderful voice has been captured in perpetuity on all of those great Sister Sledge records and others. I'm sure, besides, so yes, that's something yes. we well, can celebrate. We will be left with her enduring and wonderful legacy of vocal work and creative work and. And humanitarian work. She was a very nice lady, uh, Joni. And uh, I know a lot of my friends who are in the band are crushed, and I know the rest of the family is crushed. And of course, we all are. It feels somehow. Um, uh, perhaps I, I, I shouldn't have started with that slightly uh, down yes. note, but it's nice to it's nice to celebrate people when you know, even the, the short amount of time we have them, and the fact that they've been able to kind of put so much into the world of music but perhaps we should move on i should say mm -hmm. actually also thank you to everybody for joining us we've got the uh, youtube chat room and we've also got our live uh, web oops that's not it it's this one <laughs> i'm already flustered uh, our live chat room if you want to head over to that sonicstate.com forward slash live will take you to the uh, web-based irc so you can join in there. i'm still trying to figure out a way to combine the two but i don't think it's entirely possible also want to say thanks to our show sponsors, Isotope. There'll be a competition prize for them later on uh, featuring Neutron, the kind of visual mixing and assistant tool. So do stay tuned for that. So uh, where shall we start? Where to start? Well, I suppose we have, uh, yeah, new iPads. Uh, well, you know, we can get a red iPhone if you want. I guess that's something that somebody might want. But these new iPads are kind of interesting. They've got the new A9 processor, which is what you find in the uh, iPad Pro. And also uh, they're pretty cheap. Starting at 32 gigs, you've got 329 US dollars, which seems, uh, uh, um, that's like 70 bucks cheaper than the U. I'm sure they used to start at 399 and they were only 16 gigs. So, I mean, you know, without being too Apple centric, I mean, this has got to be a good thing, right? Um, sure. Uh, they've, when they create a pro line, it creates a new market in the midline that where they can compete perhaps more successfully with the other guys clone you know uh pa the other guys tablet devices kindle and various android devices and such and so sure it makes stuff available to more people it makes me wonder if it'll become easier for me to i'm starting to feel feeling the edges my dear my dear uh ipad mini 2 is uh feeling long in the tooth these days though it works fine and runs the operating system perhaps a tad slower than i'd like but uh runs it fine and um part of me says it ain't broken part of me says i'm getting tired of waiting for this thing yep. so it sort of bodes well as a harbinger perhaps um there's a lot of whispers might as well go all the way there about <laughs> go. How, how they might be getting out of sort of the uh, midline laptop business and going into this sort of converted iPad business, sort of the way the uh, surface line runs where you have a detachable tablet product that has a keyboard and essentially They've, they've, they're actually trying to work their way, I think, into laptop replacement. And I, you know, when it first came out, these things, I wondered if they would ever be sort of spawned into replacing laptops. Hmm. And, uh, 
It makes me wonder. Apple's business makes me wonder because I do think they're going to do away with MacBook Air and um, and just go with MacBook and MacBook Pro. And then I think they're going to morph uh, some version of an iPad Pro or something into – well, they already have. Yeah. Sort of morphed into the sort of Surface Pro area with the keyboard, the integrated keyboard and all that. I wonder, I mean, it's curious because I'd imagine, you know, most people, I'd imagine when you're looking at a, a lovely thing like a MacBook Pro, I mean, I know it's best uh, it's supposed to be any kind of special user, but when you look at one, you go, oh, yeah, I can do all this stuff with it. But most people, when we're using laptops, are probably 70 or 80 or possibly 90% of the time, it's emails, web browsing, and kind of basic stuff. I mean, right. that's, not, that's not, you know, I mean, that is a massive generalization. But if you think about the market split, the number of people... No, it's perhaps, true perhaps are using them for kind of pro i mean i've got like i said i've been documenting my kind of ups and downs with this new macbook pro 15 i7 which is blindingly fast but you know has a few little foibles and nooks and crannies that but i'm going to be using it the reason i got one is because i want to process video super fast i mean and it's no surprise you know we go to nam if i shoot 12 hours of video at nam and it takes me 12 hours to crunch it that's two whole days spent if it only takes me three hours to crunch it that's actually a massive, you know, bonus and achieve. But most of the time, it's sitting here in front of me and it's doing fairly basic kind of uh, tasks. So, I guess it makes sense for Apple to think in those terms. But again, I mean, we've gone here before, but we need we need some big pro chunky beasts for for us content creators to use as well. I mean, well, and they've just recently issued some form of proclamation that insists that we are not not only aren't we abandoning the pro market, we're going whole hog. I mean. They made some sort of mission statement that they're going to continue to support pro markets and don't you guys worry at all. We're, we're still here for you. Now, that's one of two things. That's either we're going to see some really cool new product or it's uh, the harbinger bell. <laughs> yeah, or oh, what it means is <laughs> we're going to come out with something disappearing. We're coming out with something new that has an entirely new and unsupported widely bussing structure that you can only buy products from Apple and a load of adapters to interface into the stuff get about any card bus slot <laughs> devices and all that you made that's funny I, I i was i was going through uh, we've just cleared out one of the rooms here lee kemp uh, uh, who's local to us came over and helped out we took three car loads of uh, flattened cardboard to the tip and i started to find things and one of the things i found in the room were like these old scuzzy cables and scuzzy interfaces and i was thinking gosh god and old tape drives and stuff i, I was thinking god yeah i got a rig across the room right now running on an old g4 uh, system 10.3, retrospect 6.1, and I'm doing a uh, data restoration uh, picnic over there down <laughs> in the room for like a period of months. Is it still? Uh, have you is, have you still got it? Because you're rebuilding the same uh, the same catalog of the same tape. <laughs> well, that's the point. Is you can actually stick these tapes into current versions of retrospect and let it painstakingly rebuild that catalog with gobs of errors. And instead, a friend of mine turned up a uh, working G4 with a working version of Retrospect 6.1, and I had a AIT2 turbo drive sitting, waiting for a good use, and it has become my current mission, one of them, to uh, extricate all of that data that I thought was secure on these tapes and put it back into hard drives so that I have some means of getting at it. Huh. Uh, not not really so much that I need to get at it, but Mr. Rogers deserves to be able to get at his data. But then so, when you've got it all back on ta off tape, you're going to have to then keep those drives alive and then copy it across the world. But I've been drive. keeping things on drives yeah. ever since I couldn't trust their tape. Any, I, oh, the day they said we no longer read those old catalog files was the day they and I were done. Yeah. <laughs> You can't have an archive system and Divorce decide not to support. signed, sealed, and delivered at that moment. Yeah. There was never going to be a turning back love affair between me and them. Um, and now I'm going to extricate myself from the bonds of whoever decided that this is – I understand sort of why they did what they did. And it was – I understand that they felt it was necessary. But it left people who were completely dependent on their stuff in a real bind. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm uh, painstakingly restoring, you know, half-completed ideas and finished recordings and all kinds of stuff, projects and stuff that never was attached to any project. And I'm just trying to get him back all his data. Yeah, well, that's a that's a worthy project. Yeah. Um, but I think these iPads are going to be out. Um, 
I'm, they yeah. usually announce and then they ship pretty quick, don't they? So it starts at 329 for the 32 gig, which seems like... So I guess in the UK, we're probably going to see a similar price for dollar because uh, it's... Some interesting things. They have like leaps of... There's a product, I think it's got a 32 gig model and a 128 gig model. I mean, there's no, there's no 64. There's no... There's just... You get the little one, you got the big one. They've kind of slimmed down the product line. I don't think there's more than two options for any of them in terms of uh, memory size. It's probably not a bad idea. Um, keeps it simple. I mean, I suppose if the the major price leaps are just, you know, you need more storage, have more storage, not just have a bit more storage. Because you, whatever you get, you're always going to run out these days. So you may as well. They always seem to eliminate the one I think I like having. <laughs> It's true. No, they did. And the interesting thing now is they're reintroducing 32 gig, which disappeared from the phone line for a minute there. I think. I think at one point they pulled the 32 gig phone and I was like, really? And then, and now like the bottom end of one of these new iPads is 32 gig. Yeah. It's a bit like buying a TV package. There's never quite the channels you want. It's always one or the other. Anyway. Well, people, are, people are rebelling against that too. Television business is changing like crazy. You know, I don't know about over there, but a lot of people are uh, divesting themselves of their cable subscriptions around here. Yeah. Well, I, w I went to Freeview and uh, this is not very music technology related, but uh, I went to Freeview and then I, I thought I'll just down, I'll, I'll ditch my cable and they make it so expensive to just have broadband and it's not quite as fast as what you've got that it's actually cheaper to keep your TV package and keep your broadband. And that, so I save like 350 quid a year just by saying, I don't want that. And, you know, but I've right. still got essentially the same. <laughs> the nice thing is there's a lot of really good uh, television content available via streaming services. And so you don't necessarily have to buy all the way up their package That's to true. keep yourself watching cool stuff all the time. Well, subscriptions actually is quite an interesting topic, really. If we uh, see my excellent segue there from uh, there to well the, uh, to <laughs> to this, uh, I don't know if anyone saw this at NAMM. I don't know if we've actually talked about this, but this is the new uh, or the currently testing Roland Cloud system. So yep. the idea with this is uh, basically you subscribe, you get all the plugins. Well, that's the idea. Let me just see if I can get the web page up while this plays. Here at NAM 2017. So you got like high resolution instruments. Now the Roland Cloud is actually an online initiative uh, that Roland is working on that uh, will host massive sound libraries in the cloud along with downloadable softwares, vintage Roland. I, this was very much in the future at that point, but they've actually now released. They've gone from uh, they've gone up to three four point zero release, and now there's all these kind of various different uh, instruments and legacies. So you can get the Ira plugins, you can get uh, sample based instruments. There's a a terra piano, which is something like sort of four terabytes of piano, which you can download a local version, play it, send your send your file up, have it render back to you at high resolution, and, and you know maybe you need, can hear the difference. So they're, they're trying a number of things, and this is a, it's a very interesting concept. I guess you know in many ways they've seen the future, and the future appears at least in their minds to be subscription based because you've got repeat payments, you can project, you know how many users you've got. I mean, as a business model, it makes perfect sense. I mean, if only we had the same the same kind of thing going on here, then it'd be like I know if I had this many subscribers, then I'm guaranteed X a month. You know, I mean it's. But it's a very interesting kind of notion. I'm not sure it works in the music kind of scenario so much. I don't know. What do you think? I think it does. Ah, well, in the music creation scenario rather than I book. think it does. Well, subscription model as a general sales point seems to have been proven to us over and over and over and over and over again in the last 30 years, um, starting from television and working. The, I mean, you know, where the initial bait was that we're going to provide you with commercial free programming and that went away like very quickly and uh now we have subscription radio services where we buy that and then pretty much almost all the software companies are going over to yearly subscription models a lot of them are anyway uh -huh. um so everybody's trying to get and obviously your phone service um every everybody's trying to get into the act <laughs> and uh, and as I was saying earlier about people, established companies even, along the lines of Roland, who do have money for this kind of R&D, and that was kind of the contrasting point to the one I was making before, these people can afford to uh, invest some risk capital in what the future of this business is. And on some level, we're seeing a turn away from 
application-specific hardware into these sort of generalized hardware shells that host various kinds of software emulations and things like that. And sure. They've been sort of promoting that in hardware for the last few years. And now they want to be able to provide the content for those things remotely on a subscription basis so that no matter where you are with their stuff, you can go ahead and just use this vast library that you're paying whatever, 20 bucks a month for or whatever they're asking. And um, I can see it for a lot of people, especially with the way music is made in mobile environments today. And people are not anchored to control rooms and recording studios like they used to be. It makes all the sense in the world to me to have stuff, you know, a vast quantity of stuff available to you no matter where you are you could be sitting yeah. in the pizzeria with that aforementioned macbook pro <laughs> and a set of headphones <laughs> producing up a track and pick your favorite daw software and uh and um you need you know you need a sound that soft tubes modular won't give you and you want to go look at some Roland stuff or maybe you have a fondness for an old j you know jupiter eight patch that you'd like to hear right here the fact that you can go get it. Yeah, I mean, I think I—I I, I I tell you what. I just have a quick look at the web. These are the instruments you get. You got the Ira series, so you're getting System Eight in software. You're getting System One, uh, and I'm thinking uh, there must be the plugouts as well available for it. Legendary. Uh, oh, these are the software plugouts. So, uh, yep. So we've got these guys: Jupiter Eight, SH101, System One Hundred, Promos. These are all available as plugouts, either for System One. Well, they, they all fit in the System 8. Uh, and then rather interestingly, this is the Terra Piano, uh, which is clouds. I'm not so sure about that one. Anthology is, uh, these are kind of sample instruments. And the Anthology 1987 is kind of interesting because it's basically a bunch of presets from the D50, but without, but but sample-based rather than kind of modelled, which I'm not sure is the thing. I, anyway, I was coming back. The, the, the idea is, you know, if somebody like... Uh, Native Instruments did this because they've got a massively long legacy of plugins in all across all different verticals, whether it's instruments or effects or, or waves. You know, these it makes sense to flip there because these guys have got a history with Roland. It's sort of that legacy of in software at least is not there, so it's a harder sell at the outset. In, I believe it was 1986. I was in my friend's basement in New Jersey recording MIDI sequences to Roland software. Right. So, though, it, I take your point in terms of where their visibility in the marketplace has been for the, you know, for the ensuing 40 years or whatever it is. Um, everybody's moving sideways in this business, trying to figure out where the next business model is. Because, sure. and it's interesting thing to watch. And, and Roland, like I said, can afford to fail on some of these things, which a lot of smaller companies can't afford to do. And do you, I mean, do you think they will? Because I mean, the other thing, about, no, I don't think they will. I, I, think, I think this is a good idea. But I think they the, could. The, the other thing about it is obviously, you know, if I were to get, if I wanted a couple of these plugins, say I wanted the SH one Oh one and the pro Mars after a couple of months, I'm kind of maybe done with it. I know what I can do. I mean, I've got what I need out of it. I sort of necessarily don't necessarily need that anymore. So maybe the cloud thing make, makes sense, but if I don't want to use it anymore because I'm kind of done with it or it goes out of fashion, do do I not need a much broader palette and range of sounds that I could get from any subscription service, whether it be Roland, whether it be Native Instruments? And it feels like to me the Roland subscript, the Roland set of instruments. While you know there's enough to kind of, it, you know, it starts at nineteen ninety nine bucks beta test a month. Then it goes up to twenty nine ninety nine, and then it's uh, the storm, which I, I'm not entirely clear what you get with that exactly. Is forty bucks a month? I mean, that's a considerable amount of cash that they're sort of after. Yes, and I guess you can do it on a month to month basis. You don't have to buy. You don't have to buy a year. Yeah, I guess I, that's. I, I, I didn't look that deeply into. I did actually read through that whole fact and watch their video, but I didn't get this information. Yeah, well, Korg is also, by the way, doing some version of this, although they tend to be uh, their their whole gadget thing is based in sort of a different concept. Yeah, buy it, keep it. Yeah, yeah, they're not really working the subscription model, though. I suppose they they've also created. Everybody's also creating sort of the UA model where they everything they sell you has aftermarket purchases available from within it. And it, it goes into, I mean, iPads, game software does this. But, I mean, music guys have figured that out. So uh, 
my Novation Launchpad has con- a ton of content that I can buy for it at, you know, a few bucks and have different kinds of loops and stuff playing. And all of these guys are basically viewing this as a spigot into your wallet to be able to sell you content, to be able to use this thing in more creative ways. And um, it all makes perfect sense to me as a business model. So core, I guess, you know, the gadget stuff is probably designed mostly that way. Whereas these guys are going straight into the whole monthly, I mean, 40 bucks a month is a lot to pay to get to use the software synth. I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. Or even four or five, you know, I mean, or six, it, you know, you need, I think you need a more compelling, I would imagine you'd need a more compelling collection of stuff that you just can't get anywhere else to, to make that the case. And it, I'm surprised, for instance, they didn't just go for, let's make the D50 proper software emulation as a plug out rather right. than a sample base and make right. it only available via the cloud because that's going to pull people in, right? Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yes, absolutely. But they're banking a lot on this Terra piano, apparently. Boy, that piano better be pretty good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that piano better sound freaking great. That's all I can say. It's you know, because I agree with you, it's a lot of money. If that's what they're charging to use, like individual instruments. Uh, well, I think you get access to all of them. I'm not sure about the te- how the Terra piano oh, works. This is, I, yeah, I thought it was some form of twenty dollars subscription where you had access to a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's right, you do. And I think one of them is the Terra. To, to be honest, I, I saw. Here, so you better be using it pretty regularly. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. I I set I set up an account, and I'm still actually not that much wiser about how it works or what it's got, what exactly it offers. But maybe uh, this will become clearer. I suppose the thing is, it feels a little bit un clear you know people like to know exactly you can get a free month i mean it's well worth checking out you just go to uh, rolandcloud.com uh which is right here and you can get a free month just sign up and you can try it out so i mean there's nothing lost and you don't have to put any credit card details in so you you could just check the whole thing out and see where it gets you yeah so why not yeah but anyway, an in, an interesting move by a company. I think that's the thing. It was an interesting move because it's not a company that's that's primarily thought of for their software offerings. It's more, you know, particularly with the, the all the hardware they've released in the last couple of years. It seems to be that seems to be more their thing than their software thing. Although the code that they use for their ACB technology and the plugouts is transportable and can be put into those, so that kind of makes sense. But not quite in a a massively coherent way to me. So we'll we'll have to see how it goes. Right. I think it might be time for a word from uh, our sponsors. Why ever not? Oh, that's not even them. So uh, we want to say thank you very much to Isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show. And if I can get the actual, there we are. This is news of Neutron. If you're a regular viewer of the show, you'll know uh, that they've been sponsoring us for a while and they've been offering it as a competition. Neutron is, of course... A, a kind of selection, a, a selection of features which allows you to visualize your mix more clearly, allows you to, it makes uh, very uh, intelligent suggestions on how you might process individual instruments. You can start there and then take it, you know, more extreme, less extreme. And uh, there's also the masking meter, which is a very interesting piece of technology which shows you the frequency clashes in mixes that you might not be able to hear depending on your monitoring setup. So it just gives you another way of reading the way that the frequency is working in the mix. You know, if you're not perhaps uh, fluent in reading FFT or spectrum analysis, this will help you greatly. And it gives you just, I would say, another way to try things to clear up those clashes to create more space and open out the mix. It's actually a very interesting selection of plugins. Uh, Neutron is its name. You can download it for free at isotope.com forward slash neutron and experience as it says in the ad their best ESP yet and as we know uh, Charles, Chicky and uh, quite a number of our panellists have actually said yeah it's actually pretty impressive technology so we encourage you to try it out and we've also got a possibility of you winning a copy we could actually start with the winner from last week last week's winner and it's another one of those prophetic tweets uh, which is just picked by random via our random number picker and uh, this tweet is by a chap called or a lady called bureaucrat like bowcrat i think b-e-a-u-c-r-a-t you won and what you tweeted was hey sonic state and isotope is it my turn to win actually it is this week that's your lucky week um so if you want to get in touch the twitter hashtag sorry the twitter handle that you use is bureaucrat uh, B-E-A-U-C-R-A-T. So do get in touch and we'll 
uh, send you the codes. And of course, this week we got another competition. You need to be on Twitter, so you tweet the hashtag MixVisualizer. That's one word with a Z, uh, Visualizer. Uh, and the hashtag Neutron, N-E-U-T-R-O-N, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So that's the hashtag Mix Visualizer and the hashtag Neutron to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And you will be entered to uh, the competition for next week's competition prize. So go to it. And we want to say thank you very much to Isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show. Right, let's see what's our next. Uh, oh, what, what do you fa- I know, let's go for this one because this one might be a bit. Uh, here we go. This is the latest plug-in from Output. This is a fantastic video. No trickery, just all mechanical choreography. So these are all people from the Output team playing a new plug-in called Analog Strings. And basically it combines string samples and loops and tape loops with string machine samples and various different effects. There's also a lot of uh, kind of sound design kind of stuff. And all of these people are part of the team. Not sure if they're all playing output, but there are a number of other uh, 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 analog strings, but there are another outputs there as well. Instruments. So I'm trying to figure out if that's a drone or a crane. That's in the camera. Anyway, this is the new instrument from Output. So that's, a, that's another question. Let's have a look. I've got analog strings. Let's go to uh, the web page. You can see it's all very stylish. And uh, to be honest, beautiful animation here. I didn't think. I thought it was a standalone instrument. It's actually contact-based. So they've done some pretty clever things with the contact uh, GUI and what have you. So it's got this. This is the interface that you get. Lots of really interesting stuff. I don't have you tried any of the output stuff, Rich? I mean, it's been advertised very heavily. Certainly over here, there's the uh, exhale uh, substance, which is their bass synth, which has been all over YouTube recently, and Rev, which is another synthesizer. Have you checked out any of their stuff? I have not. Um, it was all news to me this morning while I was preparing for the show. And uh, this is a very interesting plug-in um, instrument. I didn't realize it was running in contact either. Um, it won't, it does it run seemed, in contact player, by the way, I should say. It's Okay. But obviously I would be running it in a full version of contact, and that means it would run in a full version of contact. Seems very heavily leaning towards cinematic and uh, textural uh, presentations and not imitative... Or, in other words, it's not in any way similar to, say, G-Force's Virtual String Machine. Sure. It's it's not seeking to present you with the sound of an ARP Omni. No. It's, so when it says analog strings, it's not really so much a legacy product. And uh, like I said, they lean very heavily in the program, in the videos, the promotional stuff. I, I actually haven't operated the thing. But in their presentations of it and those jams that they had um, from the office there that they were showing us with the with the drone camera, I, I it, uh, it was all very sort of atmospheric and not sounding very much like strings. Right. So more. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not complaining. I swear. But it's just the fact of the matter is the product's called analog strings. And there's a lot of it that doesn't sound very much like strings at all, which is fine with me. It's just, it, it does sound cool. The interface, the user interface looks really interesting. You could do a lot of cool things with timings and, and moving things around in time and various sequences you could load to and edit to control how that happens in two channels. And, uh, very nice, clean interface. Uh, so a lot of really interesting and cool sounds. Yeah, I've got Hi. I've got a video here. Uh, I think this is the, this in action, so you can hear it a bit more. Ah, uh, you would be able to hear it more clearly if I was playing it out of the right output. Just one second. I will get there in one second. There we go. These are the sort of things you can do with it. And they seem to have multi-sampled, they have multi-sampled a lot of strings as well, so I'm guessing it must be possible. Yeah. There's a synth-based engine and a sample-based engine. 
how do I stop that? I think I do it like that. But I mean, yes, you're right. It's more. It seems to be more about kind of stuff that's unusual rather than your classic kind of uh, uh, Hans Zimmer style, you know, big orchestral sort of business, which I suppose is something that you might uh, wish to or not choose. To that extent, yes. But Hans also does atmospheric things, and this might actually suit some of that. But but uh, no, it's not imitative. It doesn't. Um, <clears throat> doesn't make you want to reach for the bow and the rosin. <laughs> There's a lot of cool plucky stuff. Like what you just played had a bit of a harp sample component to it. That was really nice and, and used in the context of all these other kinds of atmospheric things that they're doing. And I do, you know, it's a very nice engine. They've got three different engines sort of running side by side. One of which is straight up samples. One of which is sort of synth and and use some of that uses sample as, as oscillators, it seems. And a third one was kind of like the crazy stuff, you know. Um, yeah. I don't. They don't call it crazy stuff, but the third lane was the offbeat stuff that you know it wasn't quite burning piano, but getting there. And uh, <laughs> and you mix match between all of that, and you've got two different engines to play with. And a lot of neat enveloping tricks, and a lot of cool sequencing arpeggiator style timing tricks. And I think, yeah, I think it's, what's interesting is because their previous, the Rev and also Substance, is really going for the kind of now production kind of sound. So they're obviously bringing bringing these uh, these big areas of sort of string samples and what have you, sort of more pulling it more away from traditional use into this kind of electronic music production, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. Uh, it's a thirty nine gig library, so it's not insignificant. It costs uh, one nine nine and you need contact player or the full version of contact to check it out but uh it's definitely it always catches the eye because they do great marketing materials for it so that in, in this case you know marketing is is uh is very powerful in this instance because it's sort of it implies this stylish and i want to be that good kind of fire so they whatever it is they're pitching it very very well so i i like the uh i like the fact that they're doing that I need to be more aware of these guys, and and some of what they're doing reminds me of some companies that I'm aware of called Sonic Faction and Heaviosity, both of whom have particularly Heaviosity instruments in this sort of model that run within contact and do cool things, some of which are timing-based. Yep. Absolutely, I need to check them out as well. I just don't run. I don't run lots of massive samples. One of the reasons is because I've only got a small SSD in my laptop, and also I just—it's always—I've never got the right drive which has got all the stuff on it because I like to use portable drives, and they're never quite big enough to house everything. So I'm just—I'm a bit. I just, well, I've got a product for you then. Oh, do uh, tell, do tell. There is a company here in the U.S. that makes uh, uh-huh. basically um, SSD dongles in pretty significant sizes Ooh. chances are bigger than what you're what are they having. called i'm going to look it up um i, I could i uh where's mine mine is connected at the moment it's so small you've lost it <laughs> <clears throat> i don't know if i can actually get it on camera given the way it's this thing ah so they use those yeah those little ones those are the same ones that are in the uh they're not two five they're the same ones that are in the macbook pros What's, what's the what's the make of it? I'll see if I can look it up. Well, I use uh, OWC Computing, which used to go by MaxSales.com. I don't know what they go by these days. Um, so I've been using them for this product, and I basically have been putting music and picture libraries on them, and it runs, as they say in Boston, wicked fast, and uh, feels like you've just got another drive hanging off your computer. Ah, okay. Well, what I've got here is... Very small, weighs next to nothing. OWC Envoy, Envoy Pro, which looks like it's a con- it, it's actually a, a portable bus-powered USB 3 enclosure for Apple Flash SSDs. So it doesn't come with the SSD, at least that one that I found. Maybe right, I- this thing is a self-contained, fully operational plug-and-play, wicked-fast nice. <laughs> SSD. And they're not that expensive. Okay, that's worth Compared checking out. just buying an SSD. They're not really that much more expensive. But it's also worth mentioning because the SSDs inside these new Mac Pros, which are the same format, they're kind of like small, they're half, two and a half, they're, well, I guess 1.75 or something like that. Or no, what would it be? 1.25 um, wide. They're faster than your, your standard. They're a different level of performance because um, they're absolutely blindingly fast in here. The rendering speed yeah. and what have you is super fast. Yeah, the, thing so, is, okay. the thing, this laptop is, is really, really fast. 
Hmm. Okay. I have to check that out. Thanks for the tip, Rich. That's a nope. good one. Okay. Hold on. I'm just going back. I'm to... still waiting for the uh, expansion box I bought from them in December for this uh, MacBook Pro, which is basically going to take one port and turn it into a whole shed load of outputs. <laughs> nice use of the vernacular there, Rich. Thank you. <laughs> I, you will notice that last year, last week's last week's yes. um, show was called "No, I said shed load" because I yes, Rich I... Mis misheard the. <laughs> I thought that was a nice reference there. <laughs> in fact, I, I would like to point out actually, we seem to be up, uh, experiencing quite an upturn in viewership. Our, our now Sonic Talk um, just video side is getting like ten, twelve thousand views per episode quite quickly within seven days of release. So. It must be down to you, Rich, and your fantastic titles and input. So I just wanted to let's let, let's let's shine our nails and and all the viewers. Everybody, thank thankful you. Thankful for every single one of the people <laughs> who are interested in anything we have to say about this stuff. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I did an I did an interesting interview this morning. Uh, there was a guy locally uh, from the local. I think it was DBS Music, or uh, where he's doing a music technology degree, I guess. And he's writing a paper on um, now. What did he call it? It was called. Uh, was it June? Uh, hold on, I'm just gonna. I'll just see if I can find him. It's called. Now let me see. It's got. It's got a very specific name. It's uh, writing uh, the technos technostalgia. It was the phrase he used, and it was just an interesting uh, kind of thing about how uh, how and why perhaps there's this kind of. Uh, continued nostalgia for previous technology rather than kind of current and it was just it was a very interesting conversation well it was fairly one-sided because i just talked most of the time but uh, as you know i like to use the word romance a lot <laughs> when it comes to that sort of thing yeah i think that's right and i like that i'm a i'm a romantic man i like it i got my you know i got my ms20 and my multi-mog over there and my clavinet well, in, it was, the, uh, in the museum, <laughs> but it was it was interesting because I mean it, it allowed me to kind of formalize formal form some more kind of concrete notions as to why that might be, and that was an interesting part of it. It's like one thing is you know analog synthesis is as generally speaking fairly straightforward and easy to use. Most people can kind of get it, and at the same time, you know when a lot of these instruments were first released, they were iconic because. Uh, there weren't very many other ones around and they made kind of quite big uh, inroads into the music scene. So people were very aware of them because there were, you know, at any one time, there wouldn't have been more than four or five kind of big current instruments or synthesizers around. And now we've got this kind of much higher level. There's m many, many more of them. So even if things do come out, and one of the questions you asked was, are there any current synthesizers that you think will become classics or iconic? And I thought, well, that's a really interesting question. I wonder if that's even possible because there are so many more. Well, and it's also because on some level the synthesizer has become uh, disconnected necessarily from the controller. So, for example, an ARP 2600 had a presentation that involved what that keyboard felt like to operate and what that panel felt like to operate, and you had a whole ex total physical experience of operating it. In today's synths, that's not always the case. The synthesizer is not always connected to the keyboard you're playing. But in some cases, like, say, the OB6, it is. And um, and I think that the OB6 might be in such an instrument. Yeah. Well, I'm, and I, th I think, uh, to a degree as well, some of the... Uh, I think the Moog Sub 37 is one of those instruments. It's a sort of... Could it's be. A apex of design and performance and, you know, sound. And I think some of the Dreadbox stuff will be classic. I was just going to say, if he's lucky, that guy who makes that Dreadbox stuff will become one of those guys. But um, but iconic, you know, there, there are only a few iconic synthesizers. That's what I mean if he's lucky. <laughs> if he's lucky. But, I mean, classic and iconic. The iconic thing is the is the other side. And, and, and another, I, thing, another thing that came up was this sort of fixation with build quality and how, you know, our modern synths, you know, the build quality is it a thing. And, I, and, and that made me think a little bit about that as well, which is would we be prepared to pay the amount of money it would cost to build something in a way that we would consider to be built like a tank, built to last, whatever it may be? Because at the same well, time as that... We're finding out. Yeah. There are still people making $3,500 cents. Sure. As um, mostly the price points tend to be 25 and down and usually 2000 and down. But... There are still a couple of things that come out at that really, really high end sort of Korg Oasis price point. 
you know, where the, where you've got this flagship product, you know, GX1 kind of flagship product that you're going to, you know, but these days it's more likely to come out at 1999 list, you know, with a fifth street price of 15 to 1600. Sure. Like, a, like, well, I don't know. I'm guessing, I don't know what deep mind costs, but I'll bet you it's got a list price of around two grand and it doesn't cost more than that. No, no, it's got a list price of a grand. Oh yeah. Yeah. DeepMind has a list price of a grand? Yeah, 999 wow. US. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And well, like know, I said, it, it's not that many companies that can take that kind of risk anymore. That, with, well, that's, that's really exactly the point, isn't it? Yeah. Expensive product. It, 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 there's not many companies that can afford to fail with a product anymore. There's yeah. not that kind of freewheeling R&D that there was at one point. Well, you say that, but then in your previous, well, I, I refer you is. back to your previous comment about how Roland could afford to fail, assuming they were to with the cloud-based thing. Well, they're taking a shot. They're taking their best shot, and I think it's a pretty good shot. But we'll see how it pans out. Yeah, they're trying to go sideways and incorporate. You know, it's it's there is no current subscription model for that stuff. You are, however, subscribing to get Pro Tools every year these days, or yeah. Very, you know, various other people are working that subscription model thing all the time too. So the trick, I think, the trick is is to is to is to basically not frame it as a subscription, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, that's what you're doing. You know, because even if you say, well, you know, you said that your iPad is uh, creaking a bit at the edges when you're trying to run certain things to run the OS, so effectively you might have to upgrade that. What's that cycle? That's maybe two, three years. That's three hundred bucks. That's kind of ten bucks a month. You know, it's it's essentially the same thing except you're not paying for any stuff any actual physical i think, this is, I think this is a five-year-old design but, I, the ipad mini 2 this was the first thing they built with a retina display first uh, ipad mini with a retina okay display, so, so you're getting pretty good return on investment I, for that i got about five years out of that and the, and the computer i'm still using it uh nile studio is a 12 core mac pro from 2011 um, the computer that's in front of me that I'm doing this show on, the iMac in front of me is from somewhere around 2011, 2012. The only new computer in the room is this MacBook Pro next to me that I'm, that I'm playing all these keyboards out of these days. Yep, yep. Well, I know um, I'm, I'm much the same. And we, we, we run the, the switching system on an iPad, an original iPad. You know, which wow. is, God, I don't know how many years that is. You know, is that even this century? I guess it must be just about, I mean, it's, you know, it's old. And you had to find something else to hold the door open. Yeah. Well, no, I use it every day. I mean, I use that every day. <laughs> no, and, and, you know, the, our edit machines are eight-core Mac Pros, which are probably 2011, maybe 2010, yeah. you know. I mean, yeah. that's like old. Oops, yeah. I pressed the wrong button again. What did yeah, I but press? they work like they work every day. Yeah. <laughs> They work every day. But it has to be said, when you get when you start running things that you're familiar with on hardware that is really zippy, you just go, Whoa, that really feels like a different thing. You know, when you turn away, I, you know, and you I reckon that life cycle is about less than a month that, that feel <laughs> that you have that feeling. I'm serious. And it's been happening to me at various stages for the last forty years. But but I'm serious. For that that month where you that first month you see the speed boost, you're sitting there going, Wow. And then two months in, you're like, what's Come taking on. so long? <laughs> Why am I waiting for this thing? And then the next speed bump makes you go, wow. You know, and then what's taking so long? It's just, the I'd just like to swing between wow yeah, and what's Yeah, absolutely. Doing. I'd just like to point out that uh, there's quite a lot of suggestions, certainly in the YouTube chat room. Volkers deserve to be classics. Electrons, possibly the uh, Make Noise Zero Coast has been, uh, been uh, put forward. Uh, what else have we got? Volkers, that's Volkers. cool. Yeah, well, I think they're game... Uh, I hate to use that phrase, but sort of they are kind of game changers, aren't they? They were game changers. And, you know, I mean, we did a piece, uh, Meet the Makers with uh, Tatsuya, and, uh, you know, some of the stuff that he introduced into the world of uh, synthesizers, in, you know, in, in terms of making the new generation of affordable analogs, you know, that's... Perhaps, perhaps designers have become more iconic because they're shaping a range because you tend to take nowadays perhaps what happens is you know previously you'd have a synthesizer and you wouldn't maybe have quite so many iterations of that technology whereas now you have as many iterations you could possibly get out of you know i'm talking rolling supernatural you're talking you know yeah well, so you know bought you, all those boards and damn it they're gonna find something to use them in it's okay. that joke i've got about yeah there's somehow there's a warehouse full of uh, d-beam uh, 
Yeah, right, controllers. Debian That's controllers cool. waiting to be put into something, and the, they overordered, <laughs> but they got a great price break. <laughs> they offered them all to Imogene Heap for a really bargain price. Yeah, well, who knows? Joking. I think there might be uh, one more topic in it. I'm not sure. I think we might be nearly there. Oh, yeah, did you see this? This was on uh, uh, Peter Kern's blog, uh, cdm.link, uh, and this is uh, Steinberg of actually bringing the Linux SD, uh, VST SDK, uh, sorry, the VST SDK to Linux, uh, which is a really kind of quite a big move, really, because obviously, as we know, Linux has always been falling a bit behind in terms of the uh, uh, of how it, you know, the kind of plugins it's got accessible to, even though, you know, there were wrappers made. I mean, uh, uh, we can't forget, or I have forgotten the name of it. There have been various hosts that have been trying to be built that you can wrap VST plugins into and then play on on kind of a Linux-based operating system. Now they might well be available in terms of natural. And uh, the other thing that came up in this article was the fact that VST SDK is used to actually develop quite a lot of plugins that you might be using in AU only because that was often, yeah. you know, it's an AU wrapper around a core VST product. I but didn't know that. I did That's not. It's very either. interesting that you can do that. And I'm sure it saves them a lot of time and resources if that's easily done. Well, that's, a, I mean, and that is very encouraging because if you just open up another platform that essentially is you spit the same code out and I guess you, you render it in a slightly different package. I mean, this is the classic, oh, yeah, it's really easy. All you have to do is press this button instead of this button. I'm sure it's not that simple. But if you're developing on the same SDK, then that could be a really big deal. I suspect our friend Guillaume at Blue Cat Audio knows all about this um, because he hosts both. So... Uh, it wouldn't and rights for both. So, mm. it would, I mean, this everybody probably knows about this except us end users. <laughs> yeah. Chances are, I mean, anybody who's ever written for them. But anyhow, uh, this is a very interesting development because you know Linux is running on things barely bigger than a flash drive these days, uh, with like little cables hanging off the side for it for the gazintas and gazadas, and if you can actually you know run. VST technology within that easily, then the uh, limitations get blown off and and uh, a lot of opportunity becomes yeah. available to that platform for, via, for DAW type softwares or specialized whatever, recording software or samplers or there's a whole range of things you can do at that point. Yeah. So it was really exciting. So exciting that I sent the link to my computer-savvy son, who's at a technology conference in Vegas right now, some IBM Interconnect conference. And, all right. Uh, he was intrigued as well, because they're all Linux ends in the, in the high end of that world. And like I said, the devices are getting smaller and cheaper that run this. Well, it, it, it is interesting, because I know there was quite a lot of talk. I mean, we've just done a piece on the MPCX, the new Akai, uh, you know, the, the MPC Live and the MPCX, which... Uh, we were expecting them to be running on uh, Windows Core, Windows 10 Core embedded, and I know that Microsoft were pushing that as a sort of alternative platform and could run because you could like like it was with Windows. Um, I've forgotten the name of it now. There was a sort of version where you could drop whole areas of the OS and just focus on the core functions you needed, and you can you can write your own, you you can modify your own Linux distributions, and they run a Linux core, not a Windows 10 core. So once you start to bring those in, and they've got their own plugins and effects that are running on both, you know, the the hardware and on the MPC Touch software as well. So they must have a common code base. So this is starting to have a more and more of an impact. And I know, you know, we do kind of quite regularly talk about the concept of having uh, dedicated little hardware boxes that just have a single purpose. And this kind of, I guess, brings it closer, because if you just go, well, I can run it. If I can have a VST player and I can figure out how to get the MIDI and the audio in and out, I can just be running full time a copy of, you know, insert the name of your VST uh, instrument of choice or effect box of choice. And the hardware just needs to be just fast enough to be able to do that and nothing else. Then, yeah, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. I think that's your, your desktop computer, your high end professional desktop computer is the size of a USB hub. Yeah. Running Linux. Well, it's interesting. I was talking about clearing out the room. The other thing I found in there was a, a, an SM Pro Audio V machine, which was a little box, you know, about so big that was a Linux computer that would run uh, a hosted VST plugins. I mean, it, plugins, was, it, was, yes. it was a horrible thing to use. And 
never really kind of <laughs> took off and became, you know, it was all really fiddly to use and what have you. But, the, you know, assuming you've got it working right and you just had an input and output, you know, you just get it sussed. It's just a question of finding that right hardware that does it all right and and is repeatable or, or stable enough to not bother you if once in a while it might drop or you've got the opportunity to go to a more pro version, which is solid as a rock, you know, SSDs and flash, no moving parts, all that sort of thing. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. It's exciting though. It's good and it's exciting and it's all getting smaller and cheaper. Yeah. And more and more functional. Oh, it absolutely is. Oh, I gotta show you this. Th- I'm getting bigger and less functional. No, I'm just kidding. I gotta show <laughs> you this. Did you see this guy? This is uh something that Ed just sent me. This is called uh Pink Trombone. Uh I think we wrote an article. It's, it's a bare-handed speech. So, <laughs> so you can modify the sound. <laughs> You modify the mouth <laughs> to create vocal sounds in, in real in real time. It's mental. And introduce the nasal cavity. It's absolutely massive addictive. This is called Dude.al Pink Trombone. You've got to check it out. It's absolutely addictive. Maybe if I get good at it, I could figure out how to actually present the podcast just playing that only by articulating my voice. But I don't think I will. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I I just wanted to throw that one in just for a bit of fun. (laughs) Because Ed, Ed, the um, modular guy, he he said, I can't stop playing it. It's highly addictive. And it is quite, actually, you should try it out. I think there's a link on uh, um, on our news page because I think Ed wrote a story on it. I think that's about it. I think we've we've managed to get single-handedly, Rich. You've managed to take us over the t- over the line to nearly five o'clock. That's almost an hour of uh, of waffling on my part and a highly focused discussion on your part. So I want to congratulate you there, Rich. Good work. The pleasure was all mine, Nick. <laughs> no, no, I ins- it was actually all mine. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. That's been a great pleasure. And uh, we should also say, uh, once again, just mention, uh, if you're interested in entering the Isotope conf- co- uh, competition, please, uh, you need to go over to Twitter, and you the hashtag MixVisualizer, as one word, and the hashtag Neutron to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. will get you entered for the competition draw next week. So I think that's about it. I want to say thank you very much to all our YouTube viewers. Um, been a pleasure to have you. And if you're not already subscribed, please do. We've got like, I don't know, 2,000 to go before we're hitting our 100K. I'm desperate to get there before, you know, before too long because it just feels like a milestone we want to hit. But I don't want to come across too needy. So, you know, in your own time, if you feel the need. But I guess if you're there, you probably are already subscribed because you would have got the notification that we were live. But anyway, if you, maybe if you're watching on Facebook, go and subscribe. Anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I hope to see you again soon, and uh, we'll have a, a, another chat. My pleasure, Nick. Thank you for having me and for having the podcast. I love it. You're welcome. And that's it for this week. We'll say goodbye, and uh, we'll just fade to black and see you next time. <laughs>